This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. And I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. Ivy and I will be your hosts for Downtown Lowdown and we'll be giving you the lowdown on what's new in business, events, development, and issues that affect downtown. In each episode, we'll also talk to individuals that are key players that work to make downtown better. The Halifax Convention Center opened on December 15, 2017 on Argyle Street in downtown Halifax, replacing the older World Trade and Convention Center. Suzanne Fougere is the Executive Vice President, Strategy and Business Development at Events East, which manages the Halifax Convention Center. We're happy that Suzanne is here with us today. Welcome, Suzanne. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Convention season is upon us. Uh, how is the fall season shaping up so far? Any busy, busy, busy. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're we're kind of in the process of really gearing up for a really busy September through to December. It's always a really busy time for national, international conventions. Fall, of course, is just such a lovely time to visit Halifax and Nova Scotia. Uh, so this fall, we actually are gearing up to welcome over 60 events within the facility and lots of great activity happening. It's a really strong mix of local events. So, of course, a lot of the local celebrations that we host year over year, like the annual fall dinner by the Chamber of Commerce, Halcon, uh, which happens later in October and is always a fan favorite in oh, downtown yeah. Halifax. Yeah. It's grown so yeah. big now. It's, yeah. it's over 10,000 people now. It's such a it's huge show. It's grown so much over the years. Yeah. I remember the first one. It was it was small. It was still pretty popular, but 10,000, that's incredible. Yeah, we yeah. were busting at the seams with that event in the old facility, so we're really happy to be able to showcase it in the new convention center. And then, of course, we've got a great mix of national international events. We'll be kicking things off with the International Bridge, Tunnel, and Turnpike event, which is coming to us through Steve Snyder and the Halifax Harbor Bridges. And it was one of the uh, first events we talked about bringing back when we were talking about opening the new facility, and we're happy that they're going to be here with us this fall. And then we've got a great mix of events coming after that. We have the Canadian Association of Critical Care Nurses. We have the Transportation Association of Canada joining us. Of course, we'll be hosting Treaty Day in October as well, which we're very excited about. And later in September, we're welcoming CEOs from convention centers across the country who are coming here for the first time to see our new building. So we'll be hosting the Convention Centers of Canada annual general meeting as the host venue, and it's a great opportunity to showcase not only the city itself, but the venue and give them kind of a behind-the-scenes look at what we've been up to. That's great. It sounds like there's a great variety of conventions and events. Yeah, Yeah, there's a really, really great mix, and there's lots happening in and around the Nova Center right now, too. The spring and summer has been a really busy time with a lot more activity happening up there. So over the summer, Five Guys recently opened. Uh, We had the Cajon House open. Roger Square, of course, came online last summer. Uh, So we're seeing a lot of activity in and around the facility as well, which is lovely. Yeah, it's great. I keep hearing more and more uh, event organizers looking at Rogers Square as a venue, which is great. Yeah, I, I mean, what they did last uh, last spring to celebrate the Raptors with uh, the Title League mm-hmm. activities that happened in Rogers Square, it was something that just kind of took off mm-hmm. and took over, and it was a great way to showcase that space. And certainly, whenever we have national and international events coming, they're always looking for unique things to do in Halifax and ways that they can get their delegates outside and exploring the 
downtown. Rogers Square is one way that happens, and of course we've been so fortunate to have Argyle Street and all the investment that's happened mm -hmm. there, and, and there's just kind of a natural doorstep that we tend to enjoy, lots of bars and restaurants and lots of great activity, and, and delegates are always interested in seeing what's happening in the city. Yeah, that's great that you mentioned that, because I'm wondering, are there any public elements that we should be looking for, you know, maybe the public would be should be aware of or uh, that they can participate in or with some of the businesses? I think the, the best thing for folks to, to think about and what we would really encourage residents to think about is when delegates come, especially those ones that are visiting from other parts of the country or around the world, they're coming not only for the event, but they're also mm -hmm. coming for a visitor, visitor experience and they want to be able to see and experience what happens in Halifax and Nova Scotia. So I think it's a great opportunity for downtown businesses especially and those ones in our immediate vicinity to really be positioning themselves and thinking about ways to encourage delegates to visit them and we do a lot of partnership activity with Discover Halifax mm -hmm. to, to encourage folks to visit the restaurants and shops around us. Yeah, Show Your Badge is a great initiative. Show Your Badge, and, mm -hmm. and they now have hand-picked Halifax as well, right, which is really great. unique Halifax yeah. experiences. Uh, so certainly there's a lot of that, and another way for folks to get involved, of course, Rogers Square I mentioned, but I think you'll see a lot of activity there this coming year especially. And then we have a few other programs that we run to try to get folks, again, outside the venue uh, with Tourism Nova Scotia. Uh, we mm -hmm. have a visitor services booth within the facility. And from there, folks can book cars, they can book hotels, they can do day excursions and all those kinds of things in and around. And then, of course, we have the stuff with Discover Halifax. We have a local program with Taste of Nova Scotia where we actually have members and purveyors within mm -hmm. the facility showcase all the different kinds of products that they have and they sell and sample on site. So those are lots of ways for folks to get involved. If people are curious about the building, and I know lots of people are always mm -hmm. curious about what it looks like in there, we just wrapped up a series of events over the summer so that our doors were open to the community, and we'll do the same thing through January. I know you guys have always been really great supporters mm -hmm. of our Welcome Weekend program, and we'll do that again this year. And that's another way for folks who are curious to kind of come inside, explore the space, and see it for themselves. Yeah, that is a really great opportunity, and it's so family-friendly. We've always participated in mm -hmm. that and promoted it as Downtown Halifax Business Commission. But Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great way to see the space and kind of see the space unencumbered and, and get to have some freedom them to roam around and it also it's a building that has so many different vantage points of Halifax it's mm -hmm. a great way to do it yeah. and Halcom which is later in October I mean for anybody who's curious it's one of the single largest events that we produce in that building mm -hmm. and it's also just a great event that showcases some pretty unique aspects of Halifax and they always have lots of great programming happening mm -hmm. in and around as well. Yeah, it's great because it's, they're in the convention center but it takes over the whole downtown. Yeah, you can see them yeah. everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're all so over downtown they're and just they're a so little, noticeable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. they're a little bit on the restaurants <laughs> and on the streets. I think last year they closed that block of our They did yeah. and yeah. They've, they've started adding a lot of ancillary events like mm -hmm. sometimes they do a walk or a run and those kinds of things. So you, I think you'll start to see them add a lot of those kinds of elements too as mm -hmm. their event grows and yeah. their, their fan base grows. So how important are conventions to the city? You know, how does it affect downtown Halifax? Well, our focus is really about attracting national and international events, and of course that really brings folks who might not otherwise come to Halifax or Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. So really, with the new building, what our focus has been is looking at those opportunities for events that wouldn't otherwise be able to come here and to grow the number of events that we're attracting from those markets. So I think what that does for the downtown and the surrounding areas is it creates a new opportunity. It creates visitors who wouldn't be here otherwise, which means there's people eating in 
in our restaurants, they're in our shops, they're visiting our art galleries, and they're seeing Halifax and Nova Scotia oftentimes for the first time, which is a great opportunity to showcase all that we know is special about this place, but also expose it to another audience who wouldn't have otherwise seen it. Yeah, I know our businesses on Argyle Street are really seeing a big difference since the convention center has opened. So a lot of people coming in that are delegates, and delegates are also tourists, so they they want to explore the city. And they are, and I think you know when you visit another city, or if you ever go to a convention or a conference somewhere else, the thing that you take away outside of the program of the event is oftentimes those interactions that you have, or the unique thing that you discovered Mm -hmm. in a city that you didn't know existed. And I think that's what we're really encouraging businesses to do. And we've had some really great ambassadors on Argyle Street and surrounding areas, and our delegates walk away raving about the experience they have here. So the convention center seems to be going very well right now. You know, business is uh, successful uh, so far. So how do you see Eventsies growing the convention business in the future? Well, with opening the new building, we've been able to grow significantly already. So in our first year, we hosted over 160 events and over 100,000 delegates, which exceeded the projections that we had for ourselves. And and we hosted actually three times the number of national and international events than we would have been able to do in the old facility. So we're already seeing a lot of growth. What it does is it really exposes us to markets that we haven't been able to compete in before. And a great example of that is what we call the corporate market, which are things like banks, retail franchises, big brands. Uh, So we actually have a resource based in Toronto, and his primary role is to attract those corporate events to Halifax. And we're actually seeing a lot of businesses and brands pay attention to us who haven't been able to consider us before because we just haven't had the space. And so that's one opportunity. We're also working very closely with a number of partners within sectors. We call them sectors of comparative advantage, but really what we're talking about is something like the ocean sector, for example, where there's already really a natural base of research happening in Halifax and Nova Scotia. There's government investment and private sector investment. Mm -hmm. So we're partnering with a lot of institutions and, and different stakeholders within that community to look at how we attract national and international events focused on oceans because events like conventions are just a great backdrop to showcase not only the city and the province but it's also a great way to showcase our experience our expertise and all the things that are happening here so those are just some of the opportunities that we see that we now have access to that previously we wouldn't have been able to compete for so what is the biggest misconception around the convention center in your opinion or you know around conventions in general I like to think we're past misconceptions, but but that might be a bit naive. I think really what I would say is in the early days, it was hard, I think, for some people to get past the idea of this project. And the Nova Center, of course, is a milestone, and it's a large facility in the middle of the downtown core. And I think through the construction phase, it was just hard for people to understand what it was all about. I like to think now that we are through the first year and we're into another uh, another successful year that from a convention center perspective we have proven that Halifax and Nova Scotia has the ability to compete. We exceeded what what we set out for ourselves and we are seeing visitors and planners and delegates from around the world and across the country really interested in what's going on here. And I think the narrative in Halifax is changing. There's a whole bunch of amazing things happening from our waterfront to our universities to the investment that's happening in public infrastructure. 
And the convention center is just one part of that story. And so what we're experiencing is actually really positive feedback from the community, positive feedback from those who come, and I think that's something we're going to continue to see. And we will stay focused on making sure we're attracting the business from outside, which is what we're really here to do, and then partnering with folks like yourselves, with others in the private sector and in the downtown community to make sure that we're exposing that benefit and we're pushing people out and we're making sure that they're experiencing all Nova Scotia has to offer and that we are looking for those opportunities that will really help to continue to grow the economy. I think for the general public, some of the members of the general public may think, oh, it doesn't really affect me, Uh, but if it's creating to a vibrant downtown, exactly economically, yeah, Yeah. economically and for the city and for the Mm -hmm. province too. Yeah, Yeah, I mean the vibrancy downtown within the last 18 months is just if it's phenomenal. There's so much going on, and and we're one part of that story, Mm -hmm. but I think. There's been a tremendous amount of public investment and private investment, and you're seeing restaurants open everywhere and new shops, and and that's that's a great story to tell. And anytime we're telling it, we we know people are curious about it, they want to experience it. Mm-hmm. And so when we have conventions and events here, we would really just encourage your members and those in the downtown core to really think about that as an opportunity to meet a new audience, yeah. create a new customer, and attract to people into their establishments and, yeah. and get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Suzanne. We're excited. (laughs) Well, thank you, Suzanne, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. We were talking to Suzanne Fugier, Executive Vice President, Strategy and Business Development at Events East. The Argyle and Grafton Streetscape was 20 years in the making, from consultation and design to HRM approval and construction. It was a major 23-week undertaking with three city blocks closed to vehicles. The project was completed in 2017, and the end result is what we see today, a shared street that is more welcoming to pedestrians and a great gathering space for events. Hanita Koblenz is the principal planner at HRM and was the project lead on the Argyle and Grafton Streetscape. She's going to talk to us about the streetscape, its features, and how to use the street. Hi, Hanita. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Ivy. Hi, Alana. Hello. Uh, So we have a few questions for you about Argyle Street, since you were Argyle and Grafton, since you were the lead on that project. So can you describe some of the significant changes that were made to Argyle and Grafton and why they were made? Sure. Yeah, I'd say the most significant change was uh, we removed the curbs from three blocks of city street and created kind of a flush uh, surface from building face to building face. And instead of your typical asphalt roadway and concrete sidewalk, we replaced that all with beautiful large unit block pavers. So we kind of transformed the street from being your typical urban gritty urban street to giving it more of a plaza feel you know along with that it kind of major change to to its basic form and function added you know features like like trees and soil cells benches bike racks and kind of other urban street furniture to once again kind of reinforce that while it's still a street it's also an important public space and part of the public realm and, and kind of give it a plaza feel yeah and so what were some of the challenges with designing the street? So, like I said, I mean, it went from being like uh, your basic asphalt roadway, concrete curb, concrete sidewalk. Uh, you know, HRM has a asset inventory of hundreds of kilometers of roadway that look just like that. And that's for good reason. You know, we have to look after a lot of 
a lot of roads, so it, it makes sense that they're all uniform to the greatest extent possible. So in terms of design challenges, I, I mean, this street completely turned that idea on its head that you know, a street consists of a roadway and a, and a sidewalk and roadway for cars and a sidewalk for pedestrians. And uh, in fact, it has, I think it was something like 32 non-standard roadway elements. And, uh, you know, besides, uh, you know, reasons of uh, kind of safety and engineering, you know, uh, you know, there's lots of, lots of good reasons why streets are kind of all the same. You know, that's kind of where I'm getting at the safety and engineering stuff. So a lot of that, a lot of research had to be done and tons of interdepartmental collaboration really needed to be done. And this is stuff that the public doesn't see, but at the back end to, you know, make sure that the, the new materials are going to hold up. The city environment is very, very rough on streets and infrastructure. There's, you know, there's still kind of large vehicles, heavy loads. Argyle Street is one of the pl first places, it is the first place in the city where we use soil cells. Uh, it is it, normally a huge challenge to grow trees in the streetscape, especially in like really urban areas where you don't have, you don't have exposed soil. You have like so many pedestrians, you can't really have um, soil or sod boulevards. So everything kind of has to be hardscaped and soil cells are kind of installed under the road, under the sidewalk. They, they keep the, the um, pavement up, but they protect the soil underneath. So, so the trees aren't choked underneath the exactly, pavement, right? Exactly. They can actually grow. Yeah, so you see other trees that are like in one by one meter tree pits, you know, in other places downtown. There's a couple of them on Hollis. You know, they, you know if you look on Google Street View and you go back in time, you'll see that the tree hasn't changed at all in size. Like they just, they can get planted. They're like little lollipops and they stay that way. So they don't really give the street the benefits that an urban tree would, would give a street like shade and uh, kind of climate regulation and habitat for birds and, and all that stuff. So Argyle Street is the first place we, we piloted that. So those are where the tree the boxes are? And then underneath that would be the soil cells? Is that where that is? Uh, no, actually oh, the tree okay. boxes are just tree boxes. Oh, okay. They're just planters. They're just planters. Just okay. really small species of trees planted mm -hmm. there. I think on that side of the street we had, I think the water main was on that side of the street, so okay. we couldn't put mm -hmm. the soil cells there. So fitting everything in was a really big design challenge because uh, there is a lot of infrastructure under the ground. It's a really narrow uh, right-of-way but between mm -hmm. the building face on one side and the building face on the other it's only 16 meters and buried under the ground there you've got sewer water power uh, communications and then like hundreds of years of old stuff that just kind of got buried and, and some and surprises too when yeah. you started digging like a tunnel that people <laughs> thought was a tunnel to George's Island but it wasn't <laughs> yeah that's right that's right there's lots of I, I think it was part of a sewer actually yes I think it was <laughs> about an old sewer line yeah, yeah. so all that stuff kind of got unearthed and, and and fitting everything in was 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 certainly one of the design challenges but it was really great because we uh, you know we broke down a lot of silos in the in the municipality and, and people really had to work together to to deliver the project uh, internally and also you know externally working with all the stakeholders and the businesses and uh, you know it was uh, the project came came from the uh, grassroots idea so it wasn't like we had to get anyone on side with it but but still like the devil's always in the details so keeping people on side was a really big part of the design and of course safety challenge. and all of those uh, other right. considerations you know that you mentioned that there were so many uh, non-standard kind of street elements yeah. that uh, that you had to consider and wanted to implement into the design but 
other things that you had to consider, like safety and accessibility and that kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit more about the accessibility side of things for the sure. street? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Getting rid of, of the curbs uh, was uh, kind of a, a very big move. And you know, if you look in the literature, uh, shared streets come, do come with a lot of concerns, for, particularly from the visually impaired community, because the curb is a major cue in the urban environment uh, that distinguishes the pedestrian space which is safe from the vehicle space, which is, you know, uh, puts pedestrians at, at risk. So, so a big part of the design was uh, figuring out how, how to do that in a, in a shared space environment. And, and there was certainly learning that happened from the designers who, you know, did a uh, jurisdictional scan of best practices in uh, shared streetscape design for visually impaired persons. We had a special uh, engagement session with visually impaired people where, um, you know, we learned that locally guide dogs, you know, are really are trained to detect ramps uh, as as much as tactiles. So, so in, in having some topography uh, where, where the street intersected with the, the cross streets was important. We we did add, we we are adding those tactile bumps at intersections as well, but but we couldn't do that and eliminate the the curb ramp. And, and of course, the tactile strip that runs up and down the street and kind of differentiates the street between the pedestrian zone, which is just that, it's supposed to be just for pedestrians, and, and there's the tactile strip that denotes the edge of that as well as signage. And, and then the, the, the middle of the street, which we call the shared zone, pedestrians can cross, but they need to be aware that there, there could be vehicles there. So one of the things that we think, we hope makes that work for, for and makes it inclusive is that, you know, that the, the warning surfaces are there, they're tactile, they're high contrast, but they're black bumps for contrasting the white surfaces on both sides. And also the overall design of the street is, is done to slow vehicles down. So one of the you know, major non-standard things about the design is the really narrow lane widths, the tight curb radii, so when you're turning onto the street as a vehicle, you're very, very conscious of the fact that you're entering a different kind of street, and, you know, you, you not just physically, like, can't go fast, but you, you also feel that you shouldn't. The materials have changed, the corners are tight, you have to take them slowly, you're, you've really squeezed for space. So, um, yeah, and we've done some speed and volume studies before and after the project uh, was, was built. So we've, we've really seen traffic volumes go down quite significantly, like cut in half from before. So people just aren't driving down the street the way they used to. And, uh, and Argyle Street this, it has always been a, a slow street. So we're seeing those kind of slow speeds that, that, that vehicles use maintained. So all of that contributes to making it more comfortable and, and I mean the driving factor was to to, to in, in this in the street design was to make it more of a people place so um, yeah so we, we feel we've we've done that we think others think so too so yeah it's definitely yeah. a different feel when you enter Argyle Street or Grafton you yeah. know you know that you're in a different place it's a special place but I'm a little biased I guess uh, but uh, what has the the public reaction been to the street so far? It's been a couple of years since it's been completed, and yeah. so I know that you've been doing some assessments uh, since then. So what has the reaction been? Well, it was oh, I mean, from the get-go, I think it's been it's been overly overly positive, and uh, you know, uh, before we, you know, we were still kind of wrapped up in finishing up construction. I think the street 
had won its first People's Choice Award by the coast. You know, I think it was like, what's the best thing the city has done this year or something? And, you know, we, we I forget if we won the gold or the silver in that. And it was like, wow, that's so nice. Like, we hadn't, hadn't barely, like, stuck our heads above the sand. To, you know, we're still tying up contractor stuff and it's like wow that was really a nice show of support and then and then there was another one that came up it was like the urban streets blog or streets blog usa had a kind of people's choice award contest and and also the international downtown association uh, yeah. public space award so that uh, was another recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was huge. So uh, I think uh, your executive director Paul McKinnon took that, uh, made that application to the uh, IDA, and that was really uh, that was really validating because that was like an international award. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was mm-hmm. quite yeah, proud of that. Yeah, he accepted that in San Antonio, actually. Yeah which is nice to see. It's nice to get some international recognition Be- because, you know, one of the driving factors for the investment, for the municipal investment, uh, you know, the city council approved the investment in this project as well as the Spring Garden project, which we're now in the design phase of, uh, you know, at, under, you know, their economic development kind of policy framework. Uh, you know, the, the idea was to invest in downtown, stimulate stimulate more investment, make it make the downtown better for business. And uh, so getting international recognition at the IDA, I think, was really, uh, was really validating of, of that original motivation, which was kind of economic development driver. So oh, and I know nice. that the businesses on Argyle Street, especially, and Grafton, they've really seen a, a difference since the completion of the street. Like this you know, more people walking around, uh, going into their establishments. Uh, it helps that the, the Nova Center was completed around the same time and more conventions were coming into town. So I think things were just coming together all at once and, you know, in a positive way. Yeah, it was nice to be able to uh, to to latch the project onto the kind of coattails, if you will, of the, of the Nova Center. It was, it was, it was very disruptive. The Nova Center itself was disruptive, but, and, and it, if, if you were going to do a streetscape project, it made sense to kind of tag on that disruption at the same time, but, but while it was, it was tough to go through, you know, that both those projects concluded about the same time, so, so people were able to reap the benefits simultaneously as well, which was, which was really nice to see. Yeah, another thing uh, that, that has, has kind of happened uh, that, you know, as a city, we, we haven't really promoted the street at all as an event space. I know the DHBC has, has hosted a few events themselves, but, but what, what one of the things I think kind of speaks to some of the success of the street is also just a bunch of random event organizers have just approached the city to hold events on the street. So Jazz Fest and, you know, Bike Week, the Memorial Cup was a really big one. I think parades have started at Argyle Street. So it's really, uh, so the, I mean, Argyle was always a real, like, place uh, in the city. It was like kind of the entertainment district before we did any any work there, but all the work that was done has kind of reinforced and solidified Argyle and Grafton's kind of role in, yeah, in it, how the city... Yeah, it really has become a, another out, events yeah. venue for Definitely. downtown Halifax. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've hosted a few events and that kind of sort of snowballed into other events coming onto the street and now that with the, the gates uh, that are easier to close and open the street, it's it, may, it has made it a lot easier for event organizers to actually hold an event on the street, yeah, which is great. power supply. Power supply, mm-hmm. that's right. Yep. Um, 
and the beautiful lighting above and the canopy my, lighting. My favorite event, I didn't attend, but I saw kind of in my Twitter feed was uh, was when the big thing held. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, it was during yeah. Halifax Lights Festival that we, year, you know, that yeah. we put on. Yeah, yeah it was a great winter turnout. Too. It was yeah, in the middle of winter. Yeah, early because, December, yeah. and it was cold, but it was snowing yeah. lightly, and we were under the canopy lights on Argyle, and it was really a couple of hundred quite people. a magical night. Yeah, a couple of yeah. hundred people Came out, singing. Yeah. It was singing great. in the street. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, singing in the street, dancing in the street. <laughs> dancing in the street. Yeah, salsa was great. There. So and we did something for the ECMAs and concerts yeah, on the street. Things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it's definitely another venue which is great for downtown because we, we, we like that kind of like open open spaces for, for events in, in the area to bring more people to the area. So. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the public, you know, the, what are some of the features of the street that the public should be aware of and, you know, things like they should do or shouldn't do? Can you go through a little bit Sure, of sure. Like in terms of like how to use the street, yeah. we, uh, remember when we launched, we, we put a lot of effort into uh, teaching people how to and use the street. And there is a video. There's, there's a, a video, video that Plan Effects yeah. did. And, uh, and we had brochures and pamphlets and we had sandwich boards in the street. But but the basic idea is, you know, if you're, if you're walking in the street, Street. Uh, if you're walking on the street, the uh, you know the edges of the street are kind of the pedestrian zone. That's that's where yeah, you know people should walk. And if you're driving, you should not drive there <laughs> on the pedestrian zone. So stay between those black, bumpy, tactile strips. If you are driving, you should also be traveling very slowly. If you are walking, um, you know, you can, we didn't change any laws uh, to, to deliver this project, so, and, and uh, much, I don't think a lot of people are aware, but like there's no such thing as jaywalking in Nova Scotia, like, people are allowed to cross the street wherever they want, they're just not allowed to block traffic unless, uh, you know, unless they're at a corner, a street corner, which is which is an intersection, which is a natural crosswalk, and that's where pedestrians do have the right of way. So, you know, uh, you're allowed to crisscross the street as a pedestrian. Just be aware that, that you're in uh, a place where there can be vehicles. And uh, and I guess for the business owners, you know, the all the patios are really lively. But you know, one of the one of the issues that we have been having is that the sandwich boards are often placed right in the middle of that pedestrian zone. You know, so so it would be nice if if uh, your business owners could try to you know keep the keep the sandwich boards at the edge. Yes, and as a business commission, we have <laughs> asked them to do that. So hopefully yeah. they'll uh, they'll heed the word and and yeah. not uh, put the sandwich boards in the middle of the, the pedestrian zone. Yeah, I don't know. Have I missed anything? Well, what's the deal with parking then? Parking on Argyle Street. What are the rules around that? So when we I think there's some confusion amongst <laughs> vehicle owners and drivers. So let's uh, let's clear okay. the air. <laughs> yeah. So when we did the project, I mean, we consulted pretty heavily with the businesses and the association. And I have to say, it's the first kind of city street project that I have done where we we took away all the parking on Argyle, two blocks of Argyle, and one block of Grafton Street. And uh, no one said boo. Everyone was like, bring it on, uh, you know, and which isn't, you know, which makes sense because the businesses would, would often take over that parking space for their patios every year. So they, they weren't uh, reliant on it. But it just goes to show that you don't necessarily need parking right in front of your business. There are 
at least one or two accessible parking spaces per block. So if you are parking, which means like you are leaving your car, you're getting out of it, and you're staying out of it for, uh, I think it's up to three hours, there's, there's accessible parking only, and that's, that's on each of the project streets. But, uh, and there's also designated loading and, uh, and delivery spaces on each block. So this is one of, one of the challenges we're having is uh, that, that those, even some, sometimes when they're empty, you'll see, because there's no curb, a uh, delivery vehicle parked on the other side of the street where it's very clearly signed like on every street light. It drove our landscape architect crazy that there had to be so much regulatory signage in their beautiful plaza street. But there is re very clear regula the regulatory signage that says don't stop, no stopping. And stopping means like don't stop your car. Keep for, moving. And for deliveries, it's 20 minutes, active loading or unloading. Forget if it's 15 or 30, it's in the Motor Vehicle uh, Act. But uh -huh. if you are loading, like you, you know, there's, there's loading zones and you can pull, pull into those, do your delivery, and move on. And, and for, for the delivery companies, for the businesses, for everyone, it's really important that those spaces keep turning over and, and that they don't, nobody hogs them for too long because the downtown is very tight, very dense, and needs lots of supplies. So <laughs> to uh, make everyone's life easy, there, there, there are, I forget, three to five places for loading, or even more in front of the Nova Center for loading deliveries. And that includes like quick passenger drop-offs where taxis can uh, drop, drop people off and pick them up. So, uh, so that's the scoop with parking on uh, Argyle. And it, and it was all designed Street. because to, to make it more pedestrian friendly. It's not trying to punish drivers. It's right. just to make the, the street more of a shared street. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, you know, the whole the idea it's a it's kind of a pedestrian street that allows cars through it. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, to to you know do their business and and move on. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because uh, we we were there. There was uh, I think some Twitter flurry about about the loading uh, challenges and so it it doesn't make for it makes for really bad picture I guess when you know when there's a delivery vehicle parked across the whole sidewalk and we, we started to get concerned so we about like was this eroding people's experience of the street so you know we teamed up with you guys yes. last summer yes. and, and we or this past summer and we sent uh, our summer co-op students out to just ask people like what do they think is this and we, and we asked them four three or four questions I forget what they were what they were uh, do you remember what the street was like before would you consider the project a success or a failure? And what would you change? So yeah, it was like three questions. And uh, it, was, it was nice because it was like we, we, just, we just hit random people on the street. At different times of day and different days yeah, week, of the week. Yeah. Week, weekdays, weekends, just to try to get a randomized idea. I was really uh, thrilled to see that, that uh, out, of, out of nearly 200 people that we intercepted randomly on the street, uh, Ninety-one percent said the project's a success. I was like, okay, all right, phew, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and then for like, what would you change? People, you know, the the only things people said were like, make it pedestrian only more often. Mm -hmm. So all the time, those weekend closures yeah. that you guys are doing are are really uh, a success. Yes, I see it a lot on social media, especially Instagram. People posting their pictures, other nights mm -hmm. out on Argyle, and everyone's loving it being able to walk right down the street or they have the rickshaw drivers picking people up and it just looks really lively and vibrant. Yeah, yeah. especially mm -hmm. in the summertime for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a place to be. Yes, definitely. So.
We're working on Spring Garden next. So oh, wow. That's a, yes, the, that's a uh, huge project as well. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully Argyle and Grafton you know, helped, you, helped you out with the experience yeah. uh, for for. Spring Garden and mm-hmm. definitely a lot yeah. of great learning and, yeah. and and good relationships too with the business community which we really value. Well, thank you for all your hard work on Argon <laughs> Grafton, Hanita. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks. Hanita Koblenz is the principal planner at HRM and was a project lead on the Argyle and Grafton streetscape. For more information, you can check our website downtownhalifax.ca/podcast. And now for BizBuzz. So now we have BizBuzz with CUDA, and we're talking about nine new businesses that have opened up in downtown Halifax this past summer. So CUDA, what's new? Hi, everyone. I'm CUDA Andetzengira, and I'm the Membership Engagement Manager with downtown Halifax. So our new businesses, Sign Coffee Labs, opened at 1505 Barrington Street inside Volta, and they're keeping people caffeinated and fed with international coffee, lemonade, iced americanos, and so much more. They also just launched their own line of craft-roasted coffees. I say coffee lovers unite. So it's inside Volta, so it's a little bit buried inside Maritime Center, correct? Yes. But it's open to the public. It's open to the public, yes. Then we have Anastasia's Beauty Boutique, open at 1574 Argyle Street. Anastasia's Beauty Boutique transforms a client's personality into a custom set of nails that they will love. Her motto is, great nails do not happen by accident, they happen by appointment. I say we better get to booking those appointments. I hope they do pedicures because I definitely need one. <laughs> <laughs> and so where exactly is that? Sure she does. It's on Aga Street uh, above Dama Sushi okay. around that yeah. area. Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's lots the of little businesses and shops and stuff above those. Yeah. And there's a door that takes you, up, Street. Mm-hmm, yeah. takes you up the steps and okay. you can get your nails done. <laughs> So the Daily Grind is now in downtown Halifax. Yeah, we have their second location at downtown. So they're open at 1475 Lower Water Street in Bishop's Landing. So the Daily Grind is a welcoming place where you can get your morning coffee, some baked goods, brunch, and lunch items. It's also a perfect spot to unwind after hours with a local beer, wine, or cocktail from local crafters. They do it all. Yeah, I'm excited to have them in downtown Halifax. Yes, we are. Yeah, and we also have a new hotspot on Barrington Street, Julep Kitchen and Cocktails. They opened at 1684 Barrington, and they offer delicious dining and craft cocktails in an open and fresh environment. I really like their motto. It's let's make memories. I haven't been there yet, but I've heard nothing but oh, amazing things. Oh, it's really good. It's really good food. The service is great, and it's always busy. Every mm-hmm. time you walk by, there's always people in there, and it's... Yeah, I think it's the new hot spot. They're making memories with those cocktails. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then uh, Hukai Sushi and Fusion opened at 5187 Salter Street, which is next to Two Doors Down a Restaurant. Hukai offers a nice blend of Japanese cuisine from ramen to sushi and everything in between. And they also have great service. Then we have Five Guys, who opened at 1630 Argyle Street, which is in the Nova Center. Uh, Five Guys offers handcrafted burgers and fries and a lot of peanuts. Pay them a visit and get everything or all the way toppings on your burger. I personally recommend a little bacon cheeseburger, little fries, and a shake. And you can actually mix the shakes, right? Because uh, you can actually get a banana chocolate milkshake or a banana strawberry milkshake. You can actually mix the flavors up, well, which my husband, yeah, my husband loves that, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Five Guys has taken Argyle Street by storm. Oh, it has. a lineup. 
yeah, every day so since po- they've opened. So popular any hour of the day or night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It is good. good. We need something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Then we have Boxcar Social Halifax, who are open at 1593 in the Dillon. Boxcar Social Halifax not only offers coffee, beer, wine, and whiskey, but an atmosphere where people can get together and have thoughtful debates. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it looks beautiful in there. It does. Mm -hmm. Mm Then we have Jiangnan, open at 5234 Blower Street. Jiangnan offers a memorable and authentic taste of northern Chinese food in a cozy and inviting atmosphere. Ivy visited them the other day and had lunch. How did you find it? It was really good, actually. Um, A friend of mine and I usually go out for lunch once a week and try out new places, and we tried out this place, and it was was great. We both had Singapore dishes, so he had Singapore noodles, and I had the Singapore seafood curry rice, and they were both really good. Mm -hmm. He tried a bit of mine, and he liked it as well. So, yeah, it was good. Good. So there are upstairs on Blower Street, just where uh, Smokes and Ocean Optometry is around that area. And lastly, we have Halifax e-scooters that are brought to you by Segway Nova Scotia, a new way to get around downtown. You can head down to Segway Nova Scotia and rent out some scooters and zip around downtown. I loved it. I love the e-scooters. It was so fun. It was fun. (laughs) It's a great way to get around, especially with all the hills. You just put it on high power and you just zip right up the hills. Yeah. I got up to 25 kilometers an hour, which was amazing. Well, thanks, Kuda, for the rundown of the new businesses in downtown Halifax. Yeah, lots of activity happening, lots of new businesses, and I hope our listeners can get a chance to try out all the new spots that have opened downtown. Great, and we'll talk to you next time. Yep, looking forward to it. The Coast Top 5 Events. It's time for the Coast Top 5 Events with Morgan Mullen, the arts and entertainment editor at the Coast Halifax's Weekly. Hi, Morgan. Thanks for joining us on the Downtown Lowdown. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? I am good, thank you very much. You have different glasses than I the do. last time I saw you, and I, I think glasses. they're really neat. Oh, thank you yeah. very much. Um, our listeners can't see them, but they would also approve if they could. They look like the Russian from Stranger Things glasses, if um, you're wondering what they yes. look like. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. And exactly. Morgan has really cool hair, too. Yes, thank you. You're welcome, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> cool. So, taking a look at what's going on in the next couple of weeks, one of the things that's going to be happening is, of course, the Festival of Wines. The NSLC puts this together every year, as I'm sure everyone knows, and they always pick a different region to focus on. One of the things that I think is fun about the Festival of Wines is there's always um, different local restaurants that'll do kind of like uh, tastings where they'll pair Wines with Region from Special Cuisine. If you're like me and you like food, it is a good time. September 25 to 28th are the dates, and you can get all the info over at Ticket Atlantic. But some of the restaurants that kind of perked on my radar that I saw that were participating was uh, Antojos and the Stubborn Goat. Um, and yeah, yes, so I think that's going to be downtown area. wear your stretchy pants so you can yes. enjoy lots of things. And taste everything. It's so true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know anything about wine tasting, but I just know that. They'll How be can able it be to not fun? Right? Exactly, and they'll be able to tell you enough things that you'll feel like you know what you're talking and about. I think this year the theme is South American wines. I believe so, yes. yes. Ooh, yeah. that's so good. So wines from Chile? Oh, I want the Chilean wine. Chilean. Chile. Argentina, mm-hmm. Uruguay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the one thing that I know about wine that I get to say that I never get to say. I love a good Argentinian red wine. There we go. That sounds yeah. like you know what you're talking about. Okay, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, continuing with things that I am not an expert in, hockey. <laughs> my second <laughs> thing on my list. Uh, how about the only one here, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
so the Halifax Mooseheads home opener is going to be September 27th. I think they're playing against Charlottetown. I know we lost the Memorial Cup in the final, mm-hmm. which kind of super sucked. Um, Ruin Miranda came in and stole it from us. But it was amazing that they made it that far. Exactly. To. Exactly. Yeah. And my understanding is that a lot of the really strong players who helped us get so far and do so well are still going to be on the team, and so I think it's still going to be good hockey, and it's also mm-hmm. just, just exciting to, to get to go out and, like, take part in it the It definitely feeling. brings, like, an energy and buzz to the definitely. downtown area. When definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. And it's also just, like... All the different kinds of people in that crowd, it's a really great cross-section mm-hmm. of, of humans, which yeah. is fun. So, yeah. Let's see. Another thing that I had on my list, a uh, responsive light art festival is a showcase that happens in a constellation of different cities around the world. past couple of years, Halifax has been participating. Light art is basically just what it sounds like. It's just using any kind of, like, either uh, ceiling lights, neon, any kind of thing like that in order to make some sort of art. And basically, we've done a really good job in the last couple of years of uh, different galleries around town partaking in showcasing different kinds of that sort of work. The Annalie and Owens in particular is going to have some works on display from September 25 to 28th uh, that you can see that's part of the festival and it's one, a great warm-up for Nocturne, which happens later on in the year and is also a lot of public uh, free art that you can engage with, but also too it's just this cool thing in its own light that's happening and I don't know, sometimes it's exciting when things are happening in different cities all at once and you kind of get to feel like you're part of something bigger, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Mm And switching lanes a little bit, at Reflections on September 26th, uh, Mad Child, who some of us of a certain vintage may remember from Swollen <laughs> Members. <laughs> that is a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember, and I should. They had one I'm really big, big song. I'm just saying, Ivy, like, once we leave here, your afternoon playlist, you just, like, yes. schedule a couple of those in there, yeah. and you'll get through some emails really quick, and you'll be, like, super productive feeling. That's my secret. I'll that, put in a that couple is what of, I'm like, going to do. Songs in with the slower focus songs. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for yeah. the tip, Morgan. You'll be like, inbox zero, hello. Yeah, yeah, so he's playing with Dizzy Wright and a strong undercard of local MCs as well, so I think that's going to be a fun show to go and just, like, dance your butt off at. Uh, That's happening later on in the month. And another fun music thing that I have rounding out my five. Also, I would like to say these are not in any particular order because I I don't always feel like I can pick which thing is the most fun. But anyway, uh, Leona Berkeley, who is a seasoned uh, music vet who kind of does a real like indie folk kind of sound, uh, is releasing an EP at the Carlton on September 29th. And so I have a repeat favorite of the Carlton. Last time we t- we waxed poetic about their fries, which I still haven't tried yet. So oh, I had them yet. recently. Yes, at Huff. Oh, and they were, it was really good. They what really was your good. favorite thing that you saw at Halifax Urban Folk Fest? Oh, it was the Songwriter Circle with nice. Davenant Doyle, but I, honestly, I went to see Matthew Sweet. That's fair. And it was amazing. Even mm-hmm. though he only sang four songs, it was mind-blowing. It was I great. Mean, oh, yeah. that's so cool. And the fries were good. Excellent. <laughs> I appreciate that you did that investigative report. Yeah. <laughs> Just for you, Morgan. Uh, and Leonie Berkey. Actually, she played uh, Tunes at Noon before. So, mm. yeah, she's very good. So, good for her. For That's awesome. Evening. I love Tunes at Noon. I noticed that there's a really cool trend of, like, people who play the Tunes at Noon and then get, it's, like, such a great launching pad for them to go on and do bigger things, which is awesome. And so, like, when you're going and participating in that, you're, like, really seeing talent on the rise. I want to say in real time, like not in literal real time, but it feels like real time. So, oh, that's <laughs> exciting. Oh, that's nice yeah. to hear. <laughs> Thanks. Always, <laughs> it's always great to get more live music out there. It's like 
I think, I don't know, sometimes we talk about the struggle of live music. I think the struggle of live music has always been there in different ways and different eras. But I think initiatives like that really help because it gets people out and seeing things and, you know, that's oh, that's stuff. really so. nice to hear. And for oh, those good. people out there not familiar with Tunes at Noon, yeah. uh, Downtown Halifax Business Commission produces Tunes at Noon in Grand mm-hmm. Parade every summer. Mm-hmm. And it's a free concert series, just so that people know. And as the name implies, it happens at noon, and so it's like That's the right. perfect excuse to leave your cubicle or desk situation, get some vitamin D, That's hear right. some cool music. Yeah. And we'll yeah. be back next year, uh, July 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just a couple other things that are happening. Yeah. For country music fans out there, Dean Brody and Dallas Smith's Friends Don't Let Friends Tour Alone tour is coming to the Scotiabank Center on Thursday, September 26th. Dean and Dallas are both Canadian country music stars. I'm not personally familiar with them, but they look funny. They look fun. The press Producers material, yes, I was just going to really say, uh, they've, yeah. like, mimicked this aesthetic of, like, uh, the 80s. Yeah, like, like photos, yeah. from, like, Zellers <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> with very large cowboy hat. That's right. Yeah. So as of now, tickets are still available. You can check out Scotiabank slash center or dash scotiabank-center.com for details or ticketatlantic.com to buy tickets. So next up, the Hopscotch Festival is back and it's celebrating its 10th year. Mm-hmm. This year it's called Hopscotch 10, a decade of hip-hop. So the festival runs from September 27th to 29th, but the main event is taking place on Saturday, September 28th at, at Rogers Square. For those of you who do not know, Rogers Square is a part of Grafton Street that runs through the Nova Center. Mm-hmm. It's the covered area. So they're going to have some live art, some B-girl and B-boy battles, DJs, and the headliner is YBN Gorday, who is from the state somewhere. Yeah, he's yeah. a big American hip-hop artist. So that sounds really exciting. Mm-hmm. And again, as of now, tickets are still available. Um, so you can check out more information by visiting Hopscotch on Facebook, which is the Hopscotch Festival Halifax. Old Man Ludica is playing at St. Matthew's United Church on Wednesday, October 2nd. Old Man Ludica is a, an award-winning artist based in Nova Scotia. He's a great live performer. I've seen him play live. He's great. And again, as of this recording, there's still tickets left. So you can purchase tickets at oldmanludica.ca. Um, and I guess he's all about the dad jokes now and stuff like that. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, St. Matt's is such a fun venue, too, yes. because it does have such great acoustics, mm-hmm. too. So I feel like seeing someone like that who's such a, like cheesy phrase but I think for him it stands like master of the craft yes. you're really going to be able to just like feel the, the mm. quality coming back at you through all the big arches and everything yes. so it's going to be a good so time so hopefully yeah. there's some tickets left and mm-hmm. we can sell it out right definitely right. Yes. yeah <laughs> and we'd be remiss not to mention the Halifax Oyster Fest that's true. Uh, Halifax Oyster Festival is a world-class oyster festival experience, I guess. It's like one of the only only food festivals of its kind. I think in this part of the country, at the very least, maybe even like regionally, um, obviously the East Coast is known for seafood, so it's a great chance to like come and try some, some world-class food. Um, I've learned recently just from kind of like being around, this, this is a coast event that we put on, and I'm not involved directly, but I've kind of learned just from being in the room while these things are being talked about that uh, oysters are kind of like honey or wine in the sense that depending on where they're grown they can have completely different tasting notes which I think mm. is kind of interesting and cool so I think it's like a great chance for foodies to get out there and try, try a different experience. Oysterfest.ca is definitely uh, the place to get more information. I know sometimes we even have uh, information on different oyster producers from different regions. Um, there's great representation of all the different Atlantic provinces on there in regards of different growers and producers of oysters and can learn all about 
different things in related to that world. And that's taking place October 4th and 5th that's on correct. Halifax Waterfront. Yes. And there's also always fun swag. Sometimes we're trying to think of the best oyster-related puns. Um, mine never really get picked, but that's okay. I don't take it personally. Uh, but, yeah, one of the great ones that we had last year was this pearl wasn't built in a day, which was not my suggestion, but I was like, oh, I vote for that one. Yeah, that's so, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can never remember jokes either, but I know there's one that has a punchline about being a shellfish. What is it? You want to know? Why are you looking at me? I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I also that is. <laughs> and I'm terrible at jokes. That'll be our thing for next time. Mm-hmm. We'll all bring an octopus. We'll do yes, everyone bring an oyster yeah. joke. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks, Morgan. We'll right. see you next time. Thank you very much. That was Morgan Mullen, the arts and entertainment editor at The Coast. She will be joining us every episode to let us know what is happening in downtown Halifax. For more information on events, visit downtownhalifax.ca or thecoast.ca. And now for some shameless self-promotion. So for this part of the podcast, we are going to talk about and or promote things that we are doing at Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Shamelessly. Shamelessly, yes. We'll promote ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. Alana, you're great. Thank you. Uh, You're okay. I'm just okay. (laughs) Thanks. That's great. Just joking. Um, So the holidays are coming. I know everyone is in the thick of all things pumpkin spice, but we are already thinking ahead to candy canes and hot chocolate and, of course, the holiday season. So let's talk about the Downtown Halifax Holiday Gift Guide. So I'm going to put you on the spot and maybe you can talk about, a bit about the Holiday Gift Guide and why we started it. Okay, so yeah, this is the fifth year of the Holiday Gift Guide, and it's exactly what it sounds like, a guide for gifts in downtown Halifax. So if you're actually uh, shopping for the holidays, uh, think about downtown Halifax first, and uh, this guy will give you some great gift ideas. Uh, We have a lot of retailers that will uh, feature products in the guide. So each retailer will have, you know, probably a couple of products or services uh, highlighted in the guide itself and also discounts and specials and that kind of thing. Um, Also in the guide, we have a map and uh, a listing of events uh, for downtown Halifax. So it's very handy for anything holiday-related in downtown Halifax. So we're always looking for uh, downtown businesses to look at the guide to actually advertise in it and, you know, promote their products Mm -hmm. and promote events, even if they're having an event in in their uh, location, their establishment. And so, yeah, this is a a nice, handy little guide. Yeah, Yeah, so all all retail downtown Halifax are invited to participate. And this also includes restaurants. You can promote the fact that you sell gift certificates or even organizations that feature holiday shows or events. So if you'd like to get involved, it is $60 for a half-page listing, and this cost goes towards printing, the printing costs. And with each listing, you can feature up to two products with approximately two sentences about each product. And also, you can have your website link and address up your business in it. If you're interested in having your business or products featured in our 2019 Downtown Halifax Holiday Gift Guide, you can please email communications at downtownhalifax.ca. Yeah, and that's Ethan. So email Ethan if you're interested. And the gift guide is usually um, distributed in mid-November. So lots of time for people to plan their holiday shopping. And uh, we will have more information on distribution in our next episode. And this year we are also organizing the Halifax Lights Festival again. And the Halifax Lights Festival uh, is a week-long festival to promote the holidays and, again, get people thinking about coming downtown Halifax for the holidays and to shop in downtown Halifax go to the restaurants, take in shows, etc. So this year, the festival is running from November 30th to December 7th. We're going to have some events and activities taking place. Again, this is all in the planning stages. We'll have more information in the next couple of episodes. Can I give them a teaser? Yes. The big thing 
The big thing. That yeah. is confirmed. The big thing is coming back, yes. Yay. They are confirmed December 3rd, which is a Tuesday night on so mark your calendars. Argyle Street under the canopy lights just in front of Dirty Nellie's and um, the Nova Center there. So, yes, we'll have the times, exact times coming, but that is they are booked, and we are very excited to have them back again. We'll also have carolers. Always carolers every there, year. There will be hot chocolate <laughs> sometime during the week. Yeah, and I'm sure candy canes will be floating <laughs> around. Canes. Yeah. <laughs> but if you'd like to get involved, if your business uh, or organization would like to get involved, or if you're planning in a holiday event or activities, let us know. You can contact us at communications at downtownhalifax.ca. Again, that's Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> so email Ethan. <laughs> get ready for some blatant propaganda. We only have one item for our blatant propaganda today, and that is regarding the Argyle Street Summer Street Road Closure that comes to an end this weekend. It ends this Monday, September 30th at 6 a.m. So, again, this is the last weekend for the Argyle Street Summer Street Road Closure. So if you're out and about this weekend, you can get out and check that out. And then after this weekend, it will be over until next summer. Bye, summer. You've been listening to Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Find us on social media at Downtown Halifax. If you like what you've heard, please share your thoughts using hashtag Downtown Lowdown. For more information and links, visit downtownhalifax.ca.